So this is Ilya. I spent about 11 years with EYP Turkey, 11 really nice years. But for the last three years, I haven't done any EYP and I'm now in a full-time position at an applied AI company. I think that's it. I, I don't think if there's anything more to say about me. I personally don't feel like my age defines me. Where I, where I work defines me. So maybe yeah, that I spent X amount of years with EYP, which national committee should suffice. And that is why you can't have digital EYP sessions, because you can't sing Imagine together. Okay, can we try? Can we try the three of us? Oh, no. Okay. We, 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 we try Imagine in three, two, one. Imagine all <laughs> the people. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it's hey. horrible. Oh, it's so bad. I'm living life. I'm actually... I'm actually a bit and I think we're doubling down that it's not only out of sync, but also the the voices are so bad. <laughs> yes, well, I, I feel like yeah, we, of course, yeah, we did that on purpose so they wouldn't recognize that it was definitely mm, that they would focus more on our bad voices. Yeah, yeah we're just like proving a point here. Exactly. Okay, sp- speaking of, can, can we try to do a synchronized clap? There's only three of us once. One synchronized clap. How can we do this? Okay, countdown. Somebody, countdown. It needs to be natural. No, without countdown. Ah! Too late. No, 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 no. E- even with a countdown, because even with a countdown, this could be really difficult. Three, Three two, <laughs> two, one. one. <laughs> no, no, so bad. <laughs> okay, okay, let's try again. Try once more. Three, two, one. Ha! I think I stick with Nathan. No, well, for for me, it looked like you did it like a second later. Oh, no. Uh, And on my screen, it was like at the same time. Yeah, that's the issue. (laughs) I I look forward to seeing where Nathan is taking this audio journey. (laughs) Oh, I I have no path for this. It was just a a mind fart. Because it would be interesting. I actually have... I actually have seen um, AI being told this way, like how people try to like synchronize claps, which I'm not going to go into because it's kind of like, it ties into a bitter subject and like a confidential one on my end uh, in work life. But also like I have literally seen like how AI and generally machine learning works being told through this, like trying to synchronize people to clap at the same time at different points in time, which is super interesting most of the time. But also, I'm just not gonna go into detail. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, speaking so of that, you're working with AI. Yes, I am. Oh. I, I do work for an applied AI company, almost three years now. I, no, two years now. Yeah. Have you been fiddling around with Midjourney, Nathan? Uh, I I haven't a, a little bit. So my friend Sahar, when she showed it to me, showed me the Discord, and we started like putting stuff on there, and it, it is amazing how. They don't just kind of do the first creation, but then also they do the the, the super sampling, the up, up, yeah. yeah, the upscaling, and then it brings in even more details, and it it becomes amazing. Yeah, I I assume Dilgaz, you're familiar with with um, Mid Journey if yes. you're working in the AI field. Yeah, if this I, somehow I mean... ends up in the episode, it's a AI art creation software top very new, much better than the old ones. Isn't it the one you mentioned the other day? Oh yeah, I must have. I'm still looking forward to playing around with that myself. I'm (laughs) kind of waiting to do it with someone for the first time. (gasps) AI art, (laughs) first time. I hear you. I I was watching some like uh, some updates about Imogen as well, um, and that now Imogen is finally doing video. So you you enter a prompt and then it actually creates a video from your prompt that is fully AI built. Cool. I saw a really, well, I, I, I regularly read this online comment called Saturday Morning Breakfast Serial. And a while back, they had a, a comic about basically 
AI making sexual encounters difficult in the future because people are just gonna get get used to people's hand being weird, hands being weird in porn. So you're just gonna go to your partner and say, "Can you make your hands a bit more abstract?" Because the AI sucks at doing hands, apparently. <laughs> so I was like, the, the, "What?" The, the, <laughs> I, was this a um, joke about hand jobs or no? No, no. This yeah, this makes so because, because <laughs> AI sucks at drawing hands, basically. So ah. because they, it it's gonna start creating porn at some point. It's, if it's still gonna suck at doing hands. It's gonna be weird for like you grow up with porn with wonky hands, and then you go to actual part. It's like, can you make your hands a bit more abstract? Oh, that's so funny. So it it's something like you know, like our generation kind of doing this for phones, and when you go to like Gen Z and later, they kind of do this because this is what, what? they've seen. Yeah, they... that it's a thing. Like if you ask, just like I don't know, someone born in two thousand and five probably like if you ask them to like gesture a phone with like holding a phone with their hand they will most probably do this because like so that's what they have been doing their face instead of doing like a flip phone thing yeah uh, it's fucked up kids these days darn them i mean it's like we, we say you know can you can you um can you turn down the window exactly can, exactly. can, can you wind it down yeah what wind down, down the windows the yeah press exactly. a button that's not very descriptive just like figure it out also if you're doing it like very aggressively like this does communicate a feeling like you can communicate a feeling <laughs> with that but like this doesn't do the <laughs> job really that's true Yes, for people who who are listening and can't see us, we are aggressively pointing <laughs> down as if we're pressing a button and have very uh, angry faces while doing so. So I actually did. Here's a confession: uh, when I was talking to Joel the other day, I I realized I hadn't actually like listened to any of the episodes you published, like any full episode. I heard like parts, like bits and parts here and there. Uh, <laughs> oh well it's okay you have good reason for it at least <laughs> anyway so i i parts yeah i literally like sat down and i think listened to like three episodes back to back that's a lot of time you spend in our yes. listening to our dumb voices <laughs> <laughs> yes that was but it was really enjoyable so i don't mind <laughs> <laughs> I love it doing homework before the show. <laughs> yeah, like, see, the, this is the kind of person I am. Like in EY, like at EYP and in life, <laughs> got to be prepared. <laughs> Which one was your favorite out of the three? I think I really enjoyed the last one I listened to, which should be from you know the one with St- Stella Celine. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. because I think it's also kind of what I felt towards EYP and generally like life a lot. Also, like I, I think one of the things maybe to be discussed could be that h- how much EYP prepares you for life and how how much of a well-rounded person you end up being unintentionally so. And you just like you just realize this not in time, but when you're I don't know like when you're a fully grown adult like looking back at your time in EYP and you're like hey I became such a beautiful person because of this and probably like a lot of other things as well but it, it does literally like prepare you for a lot of things you're going to come across in life and I think that's very powerful and since I realized that I've been like very enlightened like throughout the week like in a really good mood uh-huh. All the good habits that I've built. Now, I'm going to actually grab onto something you said there. You said that or something along the lines of you don't realize it early enough or you realize it too late. What, what do you, what, why is it bad? that Or like, well, how would you see it as in like, if we understood what EYP is doing to us in our first couple of years of it, how would that make a difference? Okay, that that's actually a great question. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing per se. I personally feel like it's a really good thing because, you know, there's this like school of thought that you are who you are because of all your experiences. And if you did, I don't know, go back in time and realize that you're changing and evolving back at that point, then you probably wouldn't drive all of the lessons you ended up driving 
from those experiences. So I don't think it's a bad thing per se. It's it's actually a very positive thing because if you if you keep on living trying to calculate every single step you take and every single step you do, then it it takes a lot of energy out of you, like brain power and physical energy as well. So I think it's a really positive thing that you kind of you start doing this thing for pleasure and you not only you get a lot of pleasure out of it but you also get a lot of perks and it's still like it's still it's kind of like high ROI you still keep on taking from those experiences even I don't know I haven't done UIP in I think three years at this point like still three years after like since my last session I, I still find like really fun easter eggs that I can just like go back and reflect on and I still learn a lot from it yeah I do do feel that um a lot of times in UIP that that a lot of people have to prioritize something else so let's say something else when it comes to studies and I need to focus and I need to make sure I get these grades or something else in terms of okay well now I'm starting work and I need to very focus on this and I can't and if I'm going to take time off I can't you know I'm already taking holiday to actually decompress from work if I now take holiday to do UIP or these kind of NGO stuff then that's taken up my holiday with more kind of work stuff outside of work and I felt a lot of times we make these kind of decisions and actually we spend less time in these kind of organizations because of that and maybe that is because we don't realize to what extent that this kind of stuff is actually helping us on a human level and maybe if we do have more of that realization to be like well we may not understand why we're doing this stuff right now, but it feels good. So let's just do that a bit more. Then maybe we actually spend more time in it and can get more out of it afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And you don't even, I don't know. Oh, I think I lost my train of thought there. But since you don't even expect anything out of it, then you you fully give yourself into it. And yeah. not only the pleasure you take from it doubles, but also your 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 teachings also double, which ca- cannot be harmful in any way to me. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's true, and it's it kind of it really reminds me of our train the trainer stuff. So I I do lots of train the trainer uh, material and trainings and stuff like this, and the the problem with train the trainer is that trainers are always so analytical and so meta on anything that's happening. So if I'm doing a train the trainer. They're not looking at the content. They're looking at the way I'm delivering it. And it's like, hold on a second, just just allow yourself to be immersed in the content and let go into it. But then sometimes they can't let themselves go into it and they can't actually get the full learning out of whatever session or module being delivered because they're thinking too much on the analysis level, on the analyzing the training itself. And I, I had this challenge. I was at this train the trainer thingy uh, earlier on this year. And I wanted to do a module on on some kind of like uh, advanced training design thing. And it was really difficult to try to find an idea in which I could I could really get people to be fully immersed in it and stop questioning the process and stop thinking about it on a high level and just fully commit into it. So at the end, what I ended up doing is out of the three hours, the first two and a half hours was designed on teaching them card magic. And it was so, so, so unrelated <laughs> to the topic of learning to be a trainer that, I mean, that they, they couldn't create connections. <laughs> it was just so, so, so away from it. And they just got fully immersed into it. And then for two and a half hours, they fully, fully immersed themselves into an experience. And then throughout the last half an hour, we could finally debrief that experience that they were immersed into. And then they finally got like lots of lessons and lots of learnings out of it. But that wouldn't have been the same thing if they'd spent the whole time trying to figure out, huh, so why is he doing this thing here? Oh, I see the way he's doing this and doing that and not actually being a part of that learning. So I guess, yeah, that is a cool thing in UIP where we're almost a bit clueless to what we're doing and why we're doing this stuff. We're just like, oh, there's a session. Yeah, I want to go to that session. Yeah, I want to do this role. This would be fun. And we, we, we have no realization of the impact that this kind of stuff is going to have on our life later. And I guess, yeah, in that kind of way, when you fully let go of trying to see the impact, you can immerse yourself into that level and come up with all these new ideas and experiences for yourself. Actually, that's an amazing point, which made me think of something else. Like, I would even go as much as to say, you probably 
the times you sat down in EYP to actually learn stuff, be it like EYP, I don't know, like summer academy or like the training part of a session, like of a CGO day, that's probably not the place where you learn the most things. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of your, I don't know, more mellow learning experiences. I don't know, compared to when you're trying to head organize a session and you come across like a shit ton of issues and you kind of have to learn to manage those on the job because you're not, ex- you're not expecting to learn something out of it. Your, your concern there is not per se taking like making that an educational experience but kind of saving the day probably but like those are the lessons that stayed with me for the longest of time Uh, it's an interesting mix of then like a lot of the cmo learnings that we get are kind of the tools that we then try to use to save the day or at least in theory should (laughs) should apply to try to save the day all the kind of information that we've gotten from from doing it beforehand, of course, depends on what your ro- what the role is that you're trying to put out the fire in. You know, when you said CMO, I just kind of revealed myself, like how old I am, because <laughs> I said CJO, oh. like taking from the times when we called them, like called it like journalists and journalists. not media team, yeah, the media yeah. team members. Which, uh. But CMO is kind of recent, no? Mm-hmm. Kind of recent, I would say. I think yeah, I started five years. Okay. Yeah, I think it kind of came halfway into my UIP journey. I started back in 2011. So yeah, I think around like 2015, 2016, we started calling like at the media team and like media team members. That, that was one of the points I did f- feel kind of old, like getting older. <laughs> it's just like, ah, oh, why am I resisting this change? Like this, this is, this is good. This is a more I- inclusive term. Just like, yeah. go with, go with it. I hear you. And um, about this side of um, like learning stuff outside of the structured parts, um, I'm I'm trying to life for the life of me trying to remember what the paper's called. But I remember reading this paper, and it was this research on trainings and understanding where the learnings came from, and kind of following up with participants uh, months or years later to try to find try to pinpoint certain learnings and stuff. And what what they what they found within this paper is that lots of people learn so 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 much and can pinpoint so much of their future development of their skills or successes or stuff like this based on things that they learned during that training but it was stuff that they learned during the unstructured moments and not during the structured moments so during coffee breaks during lunch during evenings during these kind of time outside of the structured program but what they found as well is that if you just give free time then that doesn't actually happen as much so it's almost like you need to create structured time in order to give worth to the unstructured time. And then the unstructured time is where the full development and stuff can actually happen. Which is interesting when you look at how busy the CMO schedule of most sessions is, which is way too busy. Yeah, it's always about, okay, how, how do we plan every single minute of your life until when you go to sleep? Let's always make sure you're busy. Let's always make sure you're doing stuff. Let's try to squash all of this in. Let's take a, a seven-day agenda and fit it in four days. Yeah, true. And this actually made me think of maybe like a miscalculation I did on my end. I remember being in like organiza- like more organizational positions and trying to calculate each day to the second and like maybe like they got up and then like plan 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 and now they can go to bed like all tired and in hindsight maybe that should shouldn't have been the case i mean th- there was fun time planned but how fun is it when it is planned, planned. <laughs> <laughs> yes planned fun yeah i, I feel like you kind of you kind of get insights into these kind of behaviors along the way sometimes it is brought up by others if you're willing to take that uh, we call it debriefing in uip but if if you're willing to take that feedback or sometimes you just like look back at back at stuff being an uip or like trying to find better ways to do stuff uh, so like being entrenched in like just turning back into yourself and like looking for stuff you can develop. I think you also get some like self 
induced insights into it, like instinctively how you can do things better. So maybe you say like, okay, this time I try to calculate everything like down to the last second. Maybe I should not do that the next time. Or maybe I should give people some more, some more authority over things that seems to be their domain. Maybe I should not be micromanaging everything. But yeah, it's, it's such an interesting outcome you just shared, Nathan. And it's interesting. I, I just I just had a meeting just before this call um, with a different organization, um, TSF uh, Trainers Forum, not TFS, TSF. It's a slight different acronym to, to our one here. And we're talking about like principles of, of organization stuff. And one of the things they, they spoke about is how like when they were defining certain principles and stuff, their second principle was uh, co-creation. And this is this whole idea that you don't have like organizers and participants. You don't have trainers and trainees, but everything is constantly co-created. Everyone who is there is there to give something. There is to do something and everyone can get involved at different levels and create and bring new ideas to the table. And I feel EYP doesn't fully, fully embody that, but I think it does a pretty good job at doing that to an extent where we have all these different events, all these different sessions going on, and then you can come to it and take up a new role and bring something new, and you are a part of that co-creation of the event. It's not as if there is this big international body that says, we are having this event here, it's going to be like this, you're going to be doing that, and you kind of get rules, and then you kind of go for it. It's more every time you're in a session, like, okay, how are we going to do this one? Well, actually, I did something really cool in this other session. Oh, yeah, let's try a bit of that. Can we do this like little spin? And you just start to throw around these different ideas and you can kind of recreate things each time. And I think that's where the a lot of the learning comes from, is that the ability to ch- to to try stuff and also iteration, the ability to try it again not too long afterwards in a slightly different way. Yeah, something that this is kind of already I've been thinking about this throughout this conversation is this kind of not just like iteration, but also kind of reflecting on it, which is something I feel like we don't really do that much in EYP. We don't really take time to go, I did that in that session. Why did it work? So does that not work? And it would be really interesting to try and more integrate this into training that, that we do in EYP or this kind of sort of how we prepare our officials for role X. And uh, have you guys encountered any cool ways of actually using previous experiences, not just like sharing things, but just actively reflecting on it outside of EYP also works? Outside of EYP, for sure. Um, I actually do have uh, these kind of roundups in my team uh, at work where after a big launch, big project, whatever we do have these like kind of debriefing sessions to like look back and see what we did how we did it why we did it what parts of it worked and we would like to replicate in the future but what parts could be better and I actually feel myself very lucky in that sense because I also feel like EYP kind of taught me and prepared me for these days where I don't Mm -hmm. take feedback personally but I, I use it to better my work and my take on life work. But I also find myself jumping in a lot on those calls and actually like pinpointing a lot of the stuff that like stuff that we like did good, could do better and find myself able to like communicate that in a very like passive way, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. In EYP, I don't know. I think in EYP, it's more on a personal level. Yeah, we, 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 it's kind of rare that we, yeah, that we hold anything that's more collective to really think about how we've been doing this, how we've been doing this session, how we're going to move that on. We do sometimes do some kind of closures at the end of sessions where we try to really think about certain elements of the session and try to bring that with us into our future. And we, there are some really cool activities and structures and stuff people use for that. And I think that kind of does part of it. But yeah, there isn't this, let's say, in-between session kind of space, I guess, there or tools or even an idea of that this is a good thing to do uh, to be able to reflect and actually 
yeah, and, and take lessons learned from previous sessions to be able to bring to your next one. I feel it is a lot more just iteration, iteration, and then as you're going, you're kind of stumbling and learning on your way. Yeah, it would be really interesting to kind of try and experiment with this sort of new form of training of like so split your team into three or four people sized groups and have them just kind of try try and focus on some part of the work that they're going to be doing and ref, reflect on experiences they, that they've had from before and have that kind of not, not just have like a self-reflection but also use that within within the group and then maybe share some outcomes of that with the team that could be a really interesting way to try and do EYP trainings a bit more efficiently not just like try and force information into people's brains but like dig out the information that's already there that might not be utilized yeah so I guess that that, that's going into like training techniques um, and going into like learning theory about how do people actually learn in the first place can you just take information throw at people in a way that it sticks or do people actually have to navigate and find the information themselves and like from what you're saying there it's it's more about digging into their past experiences picking up from that and then moving within like within learning theory there's like Colburn Cobb learning cycle where you would start with experience and then you move over to some kind of conception or theory of that and then kind of rebuilding and I guess the way that you're the way that you're describing that is getting people to start with their own experiences bringing those experiences in and then reflecting on them discussing them to like theorize what, what was actually happening there and then understanding well what should happen is what i did the right thing what does this mean for the way i should share or the way i should preside or the way i should edit or the way i should organize or stuff like this and then come up with some kind of internal commitment to say well i'm going to be doing something slightly different this time i'm going to try this and then go ahead with it and I, I do feel that we kind of do that to an extent in EYP trainings, that EYP trainings are less lecture based. It's less about, OK, here is all this information. Now you need to learn it. And I feel EYP trainings is more towards the experiential. So and if, even if you think of like very simple things such as draw draw an ideal chairperson it sounds so mundane so some like something that we've all done as a as a chairperson and because it's something an activity we've kind of all done in these chairs trainings we think it must be crap but actually if you think about that when you're saying draw an ideal chairperson you're getting people to take their experiences and their memories and different things that they attribute towards a chairperson in a certain way and you're getting them to draw it down somehow and to discuss about it and then to start to theorize and try to rebuild a new image and so all of this different stuff we actually do in those kind of activities i mean there are some fallacies i feel like there are some fallacies to that in that it human brain i feel like human brain usually works with rather a short-term memory in these kind of things. Like if you ask me what kind of leader, business leader I would want to be from a week from now, I will most probably describe to some extent the last person I was very happy working with and then put in my insights like into that, like just sprinkle a bit of insight into that, maybe change a couple of things. But I feel like also in an EYP setting, you can like I feel like you can have like five the best presidents because you're always like you're constantly learning and you're constantly experiencing new things. I actually saw a story from an old chairperson of mine the other day, and the story like the story was of a like an EYP president delivering a speech, what I presume was the closing speech of the session. And the words read, the best president ever. And I remember three years, like three years back, that was me. (laughs) Like the the same, the same thing was said about me. This doesn't hurt like on a personal level. This is not why I shared this, but also it's very fair because your experience always changes. And like what you expect from a chairperson, a president, I don't know, like outside of EYP, like from a manager always changes. So, yes, it does seem like a very mundane task asking someone to, let's say, draw the perfect chairperson, but also the the answer is going to be ever changing. Mm. And I guess that's okay. Like, it doesn't have to, 
at, at the end of the day, we're, we're not saying that there is an ideal chairperson or an ideal president or an ideal, like any role in UIP, but it's more about creating space for people to reflect on what it means to them at that point in their journey. And I, and also to, 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 to kind of see how other people's perspective may be different. Whereas somebody, I don't know, sees the ideal chairperson as someone that the, the delegates look up to. And then other person's like, no, to me, that's not the ideal chairperson. That's, that's just a show off or someone like that. And they're like, no, for me, the ideal chairperson is the person who works in the background and who has the impact on the, on the committee without them realizing it or something like this. And, and maybe one person kind of goes from one idea of this to the other going through. But I guess the, the whole thing behind this is that a lot of our trainings that we do in UIP are actually really good in this kind of level of we actually dive into these things and maybe we don't always we don't always recognize it. We can take it for granted a lot of times. But then as soon as you move like I have into corporate trainings, you then start to realize how good how, how good we had it. <laughs> yeah, totally. We also like bouncing off on that. On our educational histories, yes, education in every country is very different. But when it comes to like primary school and I don't know, high school, I feel like the experience remains quite similar in that it kind of teaches you to not self-reflect so much, like as much as we do in EYP. And I feel like we're losing something in that way, but we're gaining something in EYP. So it's still like kind of keeping us polished. Which I really appreciate right now. Like I, I really see all of its reflections in my life today, and I couldn't be happier with it. Yeah. Uh, just a, a quick note on that is uh, I had a story about it happened to me about ten years ago. Yeah, about it's coming up to ten years now, maybe nine years. Um, I was um I volunteered to be a mentor in this primary school, and I had this kid assigned to me. Then I kind of go in and say hi, just follow him around for an hour, just to just to kind of like chill and just for them to have someone that they can have a chat to or ask questions. And I think it was like nine or 10 or something like this in primary school. And I had my conception of what primary school was and how it looked like and stuff like this based on my experience. And then I get in there and they sat down in a circle. They then watched a video about, um, Oh, I can't remember. It's, it's, it's a, um, it, it, it's an older uh, Native American uh, tale about um, a scorpion stinging a frog as it crosses a pond. And so they, they, they watch a story about this and then, um, then they're like, okay, so let's have a discussion. And then the teacher would ask a question of said, okay, um, the scorpion said that uh, it, it was in his nature to sting the frog and so had no choice. What do you think about this? And then like literally nine, 10 year old kids, they would be uh, not putting their hands up and stuff like this because that would like interrupt each other. So then they learned uh, to use uh, like finger signs. So you, you do like one finger, but just on your on your leg. So yeah, I can't really show my leg here, but like one finger <laughs> down on, on your leg. And so the person who's talking can notice that you want to say something next or two fingers for direct and like th these kind of things. And then, you know, one, one person would say their opinion and then point at someone else to kind of give over to them. And then they would start sharing and they have a discussion. And they went into this great philosophical debate about this and really sharing and listening. And I'm like, these are nine and 10 year olds. That, that was not how my primary school was whatsoever. And that was what, probably like 10 years or so after I was in their position there. And now it's 10 years after I saw them do that. So I can't even imagine like what they're doing in those schools. So a lot, a lot of times when I remember beforehand, when I used to like, I used to chat a lot of shit about <laughs> education system. And I kind of realized when was the last time I was actually in one of those classes <laughs> and saw what they're doing today and how they're working with the curriculum. And maybe they have actually adapted and changed the stuff. Or in many places, maybe they just really haven't. And it still looks like 1970s way of drilling information into people's heads. Such a cool story. And yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe I was wrong to presume because I, I, I was speaking from experience from my country with, where I know most of the schools still do the thing as if it's the 70s. But also it's always so, so heartening to hear such stories because... That, that wasn't my experience either, but I would really appreciate it 
because I think I started with the same experience in the first grade where I, I was pushed to, yeah, literally like first grade when I was like seven, six, seven years old, where I was pushed to question a lot of things in a very constructive way. But when I changed schools, most of the time I was that student who really frustrated the teacher and like anyone around because like she was asking questions all the time not not to be not to be like frustrating just because that's how I was wired by that time and I feel like I grew out of it and started like masking some of the tendencies I had Mm. just to be like just to fit in which in hindsight maybe was not the best thing for me but I also feel like I, I gained back some of that power in EYP and actually started to, like, again, question th- things on a deeper level and maybe regain some of my curiosity that I might have lost along the way. So, yeah, I was the frustrating student for a couple of years there. That's <laughs> ah. right. In EYP, you, you do have that space to ask why and to question things. And it's not as if, no, this is the way we do things. Uh, actually, a lot of times people just do stuff because that's the way it's done. But someone can challenge them. And people won't look down at someone challenging and saying, okay, why do we do things this way? It's more there for the open discussion of, oh, actually thinking about it, maybe it's because of this. And say, so that doesn't make sense. That smells like bullshit. And then like, oh, actually, okay, yeah, you're right. Maybe we should do things slightly differently. I feel that there is space to do that and people aren't judged or not frowned upon for questioning the status quo. If anything, it's like uh, it's looked up upon. So maybe that is a space in which you could, like, say, unlock that curiosity and go back into that side that was maybe trying to be shut down before. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed, fully agreed. I mean, you can still come across like specific persons where they don't really like to be challenged and it's not that you're challenging them as like as an individual per se but sometimes we do come across people who just don't like people asking questions but yeah i also feel like it's not it's not my general experience like being in EYP and asking why we do things the way we do and being shut down so yeah it, it was a very nice um touch for my personal growth but Joel, Joel, what's your what, what's your experience been like? Like maybe with the educational system in Finland, but also like bringing that into UIP. Yeah, people always really talk up the Finnish education system, but I think in this sense, uh, I think well, in every country, it really depends on the teacher. I wouldn't start making any generalizations there, and I think the same goes for UIP. Like I've been shut down in, in EYP for asking questions of wait, why, why are we doing this, this thing right now? Uh, but, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I find it kind of difficult to have that much reflections on on this topic right now for some reason. Well, when, when growing up, I, I spent my first 12 years in the UK and then I moved over to France. And like one really interesting thing that I saw was that in the UK, it was as if we were being taught to we're kind of being taught some basic skills to then apply in many different domains. And then it being more about exploration of how you could apply these different things. And things were very practically focused. And what is in it for you? Why are you learning this stuff? And it's always asking these kind of questions. And then when I moved to France, it became here, I'm going to write all this stuff on the board, write all of that in your notebook and copy what I'm writing. And I'm writing up here word by word and then afterwards you have to get used to them the teacher's going to be telling you stuff and then you have to write down word by word everything that the teacher's telling you and then when the exam comes basically if you can rewrite everything that you just wrote there of what the teacher told you you're going to get a high grade and that was the system then in France is always about memorization memorization and there's this idea of um of culture but when I say the word culture in French, culture, it's it's got a different meaning for me. It's always the sense of you have a general knowledge of things as they've happened and as we 
as a collective have agreed on how they've happened and that this exists and this is the way of this and this is the way to analyze this book and this is right about this and you know you kind of have to have all of this knowledge and then you're tested on that memory stuff and then I came back to the UK for university and I remember during one of my first lectures teacher was like yeah that don't write down everything I'm saying. If you if you try to repeat in your exam everything that we've covered in this lecture, you're going to get a shit grade. <laughs> like when when you write your essays, when you write your exams, I want to I want to know what you think. I want you to create. I want you to discover. I want you to dive in. And I, I kind of really associate, let's say, the UK and France with those two ways of thinking within the education system. And I kind of see EYP, and then I was trying to think about, okay, well, if I see France as being all about the memorization and I and the understanding of everything, and the UK, from my perspective, more being about this learning, learning skills to practically apply and how to question and how to analytically kind of push things, I was trying to think to myself, what, what would EYP be? What, what is like the the fundamentals behind what EYP's ethos behind learning? Maybe more similar to the experience you had in the UK, I feel like. And as Joel also pointed out, it might depend very much on the individuals you're working with. So like not not two persons, like two persons' experience can be the same, but my experience has been that EYP is usually the safer space where I can not because I want to specifically but also by the organization's nature where I'm more welcomed and inclined to comment on stuff and the the silences are the weirder parts uh, of discussions like yes being comfortable in silence is a skill you should very much learn because not every gap, every single like silence has to be filled in. Generally in life, not also in EYP, not only in EYP. Also, there are just so many people that want to like comment on things. And when you start to like listen to them and hear them, you, you do end up getting a lot of different ideas, which usually had been the case for me. Like I, w- I was that delegate that listen to everyone for extended periods of time. And my, my chairpersons usually would think like I was just zoning out, which I wasn't. I, I was just like, like listening and like thinking and I, like ideating. And that's what usually draw the best ideas out of me. And yeah. I feel like in that way, EYP is more like the UK experience you just like laid out. Yeah. I think one of the really important things that EYP really has in its way as opposed to an educational system is that we are there at least if we're volunteer everyone at an eyp session is there from their own will and is there because they want to be there in in at least to some degree and for me what one of the biggest problems as with the neuroatypical brain that i had with the education system is that i just couldn't give a shit about a lot of the things that were covered even though now, later on, I found a lot of those same topics really interesting. And I found myself like really diving into like some passes like, wow, I really couldn't give a, give a shit about this at high school. Like, why, why am I suddenly so engaged yeah. with it? And I think that's some, some, something that we really utilize in EYP is that we can just like give so much space for people to take agency of what they do because we're there for a reason of our own, not for mandatory education and so on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's given, yeah, I like what you said that given space for the agency behind it. If somebody wants to learn, if somebody wants to dive into something, then they're going to take in way, 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 way more than compared to if they didn't want to, even if the material or the training or whatever design is kind of gone and is way, way, way better if they're not prepared for it, if they're not willing to learn, then nothing's really going to go in. I think maybe another thing we did good, at least towards the end of my UIP experience, was that we actually kind of took that into account and tried to provide the means for people 
we're working with to get what they want to get out of their experience. So if you're an editor and if you're preparing a, a training for your media team members, then you would most probably ask them ahead of time what they're interested in or what they're looking forward to hear when you're actually like there for a day or two, like having to train for something. We don't know what. But in creating that, like kind of bringing the, I'm going to say students, but <laughs> not the case exactly. Uh, but yeah, the, the trainees, bringing them into the equation was a really positive thing for me. Because when I was in the in the position, like, deliver, like uh, communicating what I want to hear about, I usually found like if I had like five items in my mind, I would find a couple of them at least in the training that I received. And even if, I don't know, the 10 modules I received wasn't all to my personal interest since I got a couple of things in there that actually literally I was there for, then I would I would also be more inclined to take interest in the others, seeing like, okay, I got my part. What what is it that the other like my the other like fellow team members are interested in? I, I wonder. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It reminds me, um, a couple of weeks ago, or a few, yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in Slovenia um, for a different NGO for for, for, the, for this TSF thingy, Trainers Forum. And we were there to like, to found the, the actual entity and to do this stuff. And we had this weekend together and I thought we we're going to do a lot of strategic planning about, okay, we have this organization, what events have we got coming up? How are we going to structure these? Who's going to be doing what? How are we going to, what is our, what is our plan? How are we, what are we here for? But instead, we focus more on the individual level, kind of like this way. Instead of thinking, okay, the collective, what do we do? You think about the individual, what do you want? So like one of the exercises we did, uh, Milda is a great coach. She loves doing this. I, I've done it twice with her now <laughs> this year. And it's a great exercise, which is called uh, seven steps. No, no, seven levels. And she kind of starts off with a question that's specific around whatever's happening. So for this, the question was, it was something around why, why are you in this organization? Like, what is it, what is in there for you? Why are you being pulled to, here today? And you kind of really think about that and you try to find an answer. Then you're like, okay, for me, this is the reason why I'm here. Okay. Why is that important to you? So whatever answer you put down, you have to then think about that and think, why is this thing that I just wrote really important to me? And you're like, huh, that's, that's a good question. Like, why why do I value this? You're like, okay, well, maybe I value it because, because this. And then you come up with another answer. You're like, awesome. That's your second level. And you're like, why is that important to you? And you go seven levels deep. <laughs> so each time you start questioning these things again, and you're like, okay, well, why, what, why is it that I want to be in a trainer's community and learn from others like why is what what is learning from others doing for me okay this thing well why is that important and then i was able then to dig deep 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 and all of us dug really really deep and then from there we're like okay after we got to the seventh level it hit something about our core values and almost any question that we're given after we go seven levels it's going to be pretty similar to whatever we gave for that one. It's almost like you see this massive branching tree and bit by bit, bit by bit, everything kind of goes down to around seven levels deep and it kind of comes to this kind of core. And then from there, we take this and then we start to uh, work with that and say, okay, how, if this is something core to me, how can I bring this to the organization? What, what do I do with this? And that was really cool of a way of thinking of starting on the individual and then moving to the collective. But I feel in UIP, a lot of times we do focus more on what am I doing for my chess team? What am I doing for my media team? What am I doing for this hour? And what do I want to achieve during this session for them? As opposed to why am I actually here? And starting to dig in on the individual to build that individual motivation and then to collectively pull our motivations to then bring us somewhere. I feel that something... Maybe you're right that we've started to do an UIP, but I don't think we're, we're quite there in UIP. No, no, we're not. I, I think we're still, I mean, I cannot comment on the present, but when I was more active, I think this was around like 2000, from 2015 to maybe 2018. 
when I was a bit more active. Uh, yeah, when I was more active, I feel like there were still a lot of sessions lacking a lot in vision. And this is probably because most of the times we were, at least I was asked to create a whole like vision for the session, but also for a team, like whatever team I might be leading to create the vision ahead of time, which does make sense for practical reasons. If you have like a shorter amount of time to like find the people, start working with them and like get to the session. But there were a lot of sessions where the vision was just kind of like a writing on the wall and did not do much. And I don't think like we were, we were take getting the most out of it, both in the like uh, fabrication part, but also like at the session, I don't feel like there were, there was a lot of events that you, you're making the most out of like what you envisioned for that session and team. And then like collectively, like walk towards like that aim. And I think it, it can be like, it can be really off of service to all of us if we did that maybe. And maybe that's what, what's happening right now. Like I, I still see a lot of people that I worked with being in EYP, like Joel. And I feel like maybe you're, you're in a more experienced place in life and in, in EYP. Then you're, you're maybe starting to think of things like these, like the details, the further details that you probably are not focusing on from the get-go. But also, like, maybe we should be creating a collective intelligence to kind of raise the idea in people's minds, not to push them towards, like, being super intentful with everything they do, but just asking, like, have you considered why you're doing this? If you want to consider, it would probably do you good. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things that I've been kind of focusing around lately as a as a team leader is this sort of idea of how do we kind of try to maximize the chances that the people that are in the team are going to feel like being a part of the team and feel like being a part of that session. Because I think a lot of the times we take the least from sessions is when we don't feel good at them mentally or we don't feel like we belong in the team or we don't feel like the committee that we're around is our style and it kind of comes back to what we're talking with martin about what we can do as leaders beforehand before the session of how do we reach out to those team members and actually dig out what they want to get out of it but also approaching it from a sense of how do I make sure that everyone in my team has a place to talk about what they want out of it? Also before the session so that I can then try to implement that into the plans of those reasons of like why, why people want to be a part of that team in a sense. That's such an amazing point. And I actually do wonder something kind of related to that. Whenever... I felt like I was trying to get in those kind of waters as a leader. I also, it also came with a particular guilt that I'm taking too much of the team members' time because they probably signed up to be, let's say, a chairperson. And they they thought, I don't know, they they would probably invest a specific amount of time into that before the session, at the session, and after the session. But when the part that's like prior to the session becomes really elaborate, it it is very good for self-development and a lot of other things. But I also had this kind of guilt that I'm I'm asking too much of them. I, I was wondering if you you guys ever like felt that way. Yeah. I think that's one of the beautiful things of like just ask, talking to people about what they want is that you can actually figure out how much time and effort they want to spend on the session like eyp is not everyone's top one priority and i think that's a reality we don't really grapple with that much in the leadership of most sessions so like just like bringing that into like okay what do you want and how do i support you in that also tackles the idea of okay well how much support do you want and how much activity do you want to put, give to the session yeah. and take back to yourself? 
And something that comes to my mind is that how in UIP sessions, we try to recreate the wheel every single session, um, which forces people to actually engage a lot more than they have to. So let's say as a chairperson, as a chairperson, you have to write the topic overview. It's like, well, hold on a second, that, well, many chairpersons have to write their own topics. Or let's say the board, first of all, have to start off by writing their own topics. It's like, how many sessions do we have per year? How, why don't we just have a massive bank of different topics? And you just go to that bank and you're like, cool, do I like the ones here? I'm going to pick some here. You know what? I want to contribute something to this bank. Let me just take these, and then you have your your to you, you you have your topics, and then topic overviews. Okay, if that topic doesn't currently have an overview, yeah, people are gonna have to work to then build an overview. But like within the bank, like people keep building these topic overviews. Why don't we just reuse them? And then the chairperson who's like, you know what? I want to be there for that in-person experience. I can't commit too much beforehand. Cool. Here's the topic. It's already got a topic overview built. Uh, oh no, media team. Uh, like before, okay, beforehand with the with, with newspapers as we used to have them, magazines and stuff beforehand. Every single editor would have to build their own layout, their own design from scratch. Like, how, how many sessions do we have? Can, can we just like pull these, like put them to a space and be like, yeah, I like one of these ones. I'm going to reuse this one. And like things like this, we kind of we we make it really difficult on ourselves. Trainings. Every single time you have to build modules from scratch. It's 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 kind of weird how we how we give ourselves so much more work. I was talking to a to a friend who was presiding a session that was going quite fast down the hill. They had like a completely failing chairs team, like everyone's dropping out and there's like topic reviews aren't done and it's like this many weeks until the session and everything's really screwed. And what what that that friend was doing is just like writing the topic overviews for those for those uh, committees. I was like, what? Why? Why? Why are you putting this much effort and just like take a topic overview from another session? Like, why? <laughs> why is that such a big problem for us to do? Like, it, what? What if we could spend that time doing something better? Like, sure, you need to be somewhat familiar with the topic to chair a committee. I mean, not, not even necessarily. I mean, you should preferably. But it, like we could be spending that time much better. Like, yeah, I'm sure it's a valuable skill if you want to uh, acquire topic or your writing skill. I'm not saying that we should just like stick to whatever outdated uh, types of topic or use, but you know you can adapt to what already exists. It's a very good idea. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, true. I think maybe a part of that the problem comes from. You know, we're, we're all like young individuals in EYP and you're at that point of your life where you're super like such an idealist that you want to like create, like grab life by the balls. You, you want to like create something, be heard, like put something out there that you're, I don't know, coveted for. And maybe some of that translates into making things harder for, for ourselves. And I think you discussed something similar with, I don't know if she uses Stella or Celine, but I'm going to say Stella. Uh, with, with Stella, that you, you kind of learn in time not to take things too seriously and kind of try and find the optimal solution to stuff. And like not not taking yourself too seriously, not taking the thing you do too seriously, which is not to say that you don't you don't care about stuff or like care about whatever duty you, you took on. It's it's just to say like you're making life easier for yourself. So you can be better. Like you can be like you can feel better and you can give more to the yes. session, to people working with you. So you're not like going around like crazy trying to write the topic overviews for your chairpersons who didn't write them or like are dropping out or you're not trying to I think Nathan this was your your story like not trying to like do the legwork for the organizers that don't do whatever you want them to do at the pace you want them to do which I'm also guilty of by the way like my first head organizing experience I literally did the same thing looking back I wouldn't do the same but I think it's something you kind of have to get out of your system. But this also translates into just generally like or an organization-wide um, notion of making things harder for ourselves and not using the readily available 
resources we have or the lessons we've learned from stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. The, the first session that reuses TOs, let us know. We'll, uh, we'll shout you out for the good work yeah. that you're doing for the benefit of the organization. I'm not saying like one-to-one reuse TOs. I mean, if they're old, you need to kind of update them for the latest measures and stuff. But like, come on, they, they, they don't need to be written. Just like the, the, this summer, I was in Greece on a, on a leadership training event. And what what they did is they had like a small team, first of all, who kind of looked over the agenda and they were like, they had a small working group to say, okay, this is a schedule we're going to have. These are the different modules. Is that cool? Then you have the different ones and you kind of categorize how much you like it or how much you're interested in. And also what is your expertise level? And then they put that on a graph. They then pair up different trainers to different modules. And they're like, cool, here's the module. Here's the handout from last year. Here's the structure from last year you can inspire yourself from that you can literally start by copying and pasting it and then we would like your version of it by this time and then you go in you take a look and like i took a look at one of them and i was like nope <laughs> i don't like this one I took another look at the other one and i was like yeah this is this is pretty decent yeah let's let's take a lot of this i was like oh oh actually that would be really cool but what if we also did this and this and add this to it uh, and then it's like well okay the handout like the kind of topic overview style thing is already written cool i'm going to take pieces of that and now i only have to build this piece this piece and then i'm done it's a lot better easier process in which you give that ability for people to build new things if they want to but then also to be able to use knowledge from the past and not have to <laughs> waste it all the time so yeah if someone out there feels like actually recycling a session go ahead and recycle yeah yeah see you stand on the shoulders of giants doing that yes yeah in a way although do give credit where credit is due oh yeah yeah Don't yeah that's true that's true work, let like write it down that this is written by person x it's fine and if you're looking for a session to steal that that stuff from uh, i would recommend take a look at is's because they have very strict ways of writing their topic ov- overviews and then the topics have to go through gb checks io checks and all of this stuff so if you want to be kind of totally sure of the stuff that you're just going to hand down to your team and say work from this is's do tend to have quite a lot of core material and if you message the right person it can be quite readily available and Joel's face is of a complete <laughs> agreement with this. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the, the topic of you being an IS topic of you doesn't mean that it's a cool as a topic of you. Let's, let's put that out there. Let's true, be honest true. It, it goes through more. It goes through more checks. Uh, t- it tends to go through a bit more rigorous checks. People have a bit more time to be able to write them, and people writing them have probably tend to r- write more beforehand. This is one of the only times, Joel, on this podcast that I've said something good about an IS. Okay, please give me, <laughs> just give me that. Okay, every time I Don't mention IS, it's just shit on. No, actually, I'm <laughs> going to save your point there, Nathan. But I think what Nathan was pointing on is that oh, that's adorable. I think what Nathan was pointing on was that if you want to spend some time and not a lot looking for a topic overview to recycle you can just go out there and try like 15 random sessions and maybe come up with nothing but or you can just look into nis and that's gonna have like a lot more topic overviews because they have like a lot more committees but also maybe none like maybe none of them are usable which i doubt would be the case but like maybe all 15 of them are not up to par but still, most probably you will find something you can use there than, I don't know, looking at 20 other sessions and looking like frantically to find something you can recycle. I think that was the point there, which I would very much like agree on. Yeah, yes. I mean, I've, I've been, well, not copying, but like using ISTOs as inspiration for either writing my own TOs or checking other people's TOs or helping other people write their TOs just because it's easier to find ISTOs on a specific topics because they list their topics very clearly. Whereas other sessions like finding the TO for random IF somewhere, you can go have fun, go fishing in their Facebook page. See, working smart, it's, it's really important. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, whenever I'm asked for like a deck, I don't know, a report something, 
at this point in time, I'm not I'm not trying to create it from the ground up. I, I'm I'm looking back at what I've already produced, what I what can be recycled or what can be used to create new insights. Then I, I start working from there. Like not every time I'm asked for something like a, an item, I have to like build it from the ground up. That's that's just using up a lot of my time and energy that can be channeled towards much more productive things. Yeah, true. I do the same thing as much as possible as well. Like uh, at, at work, one of the things I have to do is um is I have to do some like pre-sales demos um for for the software and they they kind of changed the whole demo stuff and updated everything about a year ago but i i learned how to do it a little bit before they did all the updates so i'm still kind of on the previous version <laughs> doing all this stuff i'm like it kind of works you know i go and i do my demo people enjoy it it's good they understand what's going on it's not going to be as flashy and stuff as all the new stuff but then it's like having to relearn all of that so i'm like well you know what People want to borrow some of my time to try to do a little demo here or there. I'm like, okay, but it is the old version. I'm like, if you want me, it's going to be that way. And I just like recycle, just recycle everything I said last time. I'll say this time. If it's still applicable, then what's what's the issue, right? <laughs> we should have a proper like resource bank of all the stuff that we produce in the UIP, all the TOs. Like, we should just like let's go to the Discord. By the way. If you if you're listening to this and you're not a member of the new EYP Discord, go join it. You'll find it somehow on some social media somewhere. Look it up. I'm sure it's it's. Oh yeah, internet. true. There's a Discord. You figure it out. Yeah, there's a new EYP Discord. Go go join it. I haven't joined it. I should it's I should join that so far, but maybe it's okay, not going to be as dead. As <laughs> yeah, uh, therefore it's dead. Uh, no, it's it's slightly dead. Uh, but let's uh, read or undead it a bit and go ask and create some sort of um, pool of topic overviews, like some Google Drive with like a shit ton of topic overviews. Just ask people to upload their stuff from the session. Riada, we're just giving you gems. We're just like feeding you gems at the end. Like you don't even have to think about how to edit this stuff. It's just going to edit itself. But no, no, no. You still have to edit it. It's not going to actually edit itself. Just want to just wanna hide out that, Riada. <laughs> you know, like th this is published and then there's this like whole chunk of audio. like Just like giggling and like talking to Rialdo. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, because I, I, I don't actually go back to listen to them, so I wonder <laughs> whether he's actually included any of our conversations with him <laughs> as we're talking to him like this in the podcast. <laughs>